Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you're having an awesome morning already. Um, Before we hop in uh, to our third and final week of we can do more together. Uh, we, I just wanted to share a couple things uh, that are kind of exciting with you. Uh, first of all, uh, Darren's been planning in the spring, Darren's our youth pastor, to uh, take uh, some students from FBC Youth on a missions experience. And so he just confirmed over the past week and a half that uh, the trip is going to be to Bulgaria. You're like, yeah, where is that? Wondered the same thing. It's somewhere east of here. Um, but anyways, I'm going with them, and I'm so pumped. And so you guys are going to be hearing more uh, about that leading up to spring, some exciting updates. We'll probably try to suck some money out of you with our fundraisers too. But um, anyways, I'm really pumped for that. Uh, the other one, I probably should have led with this because not as exciting, but I got myself a new Bible. Um, I have a really small one that I'm like, I don't want to, it'd be hard to preach from, and then I have my really big one that you guys are used to seeing me up here, and I feel like maybe that's a little scary, so I, I kind of like, there's, the one was too small, the one was too big, and now this one's just right, kind of a Goldilocks story with my Bible. So anyways, this should be the best sermon you've ever heard me preach. If not, then I'll send this back and get a new one. Um, over the past three weeks, we've been talking about how we believe that we can do more together. If we view what we're doing here as a part of God's mission here on earth, as a team effort, and we really commit to being a part of that team and investing in that team, we believe that we can accomplish so much together by the grace of God. Um, for the first two weeks, we were talking about stuff in, at FBC. If you've been here for a while with our think language, kind of more think big kind of stuff, you know, engaging with us and our mission as a church here, a local church community here in uh, Lloydminster. And so we're talking about giving and serving here in kind of our local faith community. This morning, uh, what I'm going to be talking about is a little bit more the idea of thinking small and engaging in personal relationships and how we should do that and hopefully can do that as a church and how uh, significant and important that is. Doug and I get together and we uh, kind of plan out where we're headed on Sunday mornings um, and talk about that. And, and we talk about quite a bit, but we don't plan out every single little detail. Uh, but a few weeks ago, I was like, you know, thinking about week three and I was like, okay, there's this cool passage in Hebrews 10 and I'm going to, you know, spend the morning kind of working through that. And then I showed up to church that Sunday and Doug was preaching from that same passage in Hebrews 10. And so I didn't know that was coming. So anyways, I switched passages. So if you don't like this morning, uh, it's Doug's fault. So you can take that up with him because he stole my thunder. Anyways, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 uh, verses 12 to 27. If you've got a Bible or a phone with a Bible or a whatever, that's probably pretty much it, Uh, feel free to pull one out and uh, follow along with us as we go through the text this morning. But before we read the text, um, I'd like to invite you to just pray with me. God, thank you so much uh, for the Bible, for the fact that we get to uh, read these uh, awesome teachings and can learn more about what it looks like to be uh, followers of you. I pray that as we dig into the text this morning, that it would really just be you speaking to our hearts, God, and that uh, we we would experience you and get to know you better from reading these words this morning, God. We love you so much. Amen. 
I don't know if you guys have ever done uh, like team building activities, which team building activities usually is code for doing a simple task, but then making it really difficult in some way and making you feel dumb because you can't do it. Um, but there's like this one where maybe you've done this where like they put a blindfold on one person and there's a bit of like a, uh, a course or like an obstacle course or a path they have to walk and all they have is the people on the sides like telling them like turn right, go straight. I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but you can imagine it's really difficult. Uh, like, I find losing my sight before I do an activity really debilitating. Like, I'm not scared of the dark. I can, like, sleep with my eyes closed. But anything else I try to do in life, the most normal tasks, I close my eyes first. And it's, like, impossible and scary and really unsettling. That team-building activity also, for me, is really unsettling because if you know, like, me and my friend group, I know that my friend's on the side telling me where to go with the blindfold on. I should be going the opposite way, right? They're, like, direct me towards the wall. And they're, like, okay, now sprint, you know? And so... It is really difficult to lose such an important component of who you are. And what a small thing to lose. Just your eyes. I mean, it's a small part of who you are. For me, I'm right-handed, which means that uh, I can't do anything with my left hand. You know, I, like, can write and do all these things with my right hand. I try to do something with my left hand. On Friday... We went bowling. We were going to go to an escape room, but it was closed when we got there, even though we had a booking. So we decided to go bowling, which I haven't gone in a long time. And what I discovered about myself is that uh, for the first few frames, I'm really good. And then after that, it is like all downhill. So I had a few good frames, and then after that, I felt good about myself. And then after that, it just went, went down the drain. And so Neil was like, man, you should try throwing with your other hand. And I was like, like I can't. I, I got up there, and I was just lucky for the ball to be going forward, trying to throw with my left hand, hit the gutter right away. It's like, I'm never trying that again. I know a lot of you lefties out there are all like, oh, yeah, well, I can do things with both hands because I'm left-handed. But uh, that's fine. We rule the world. But it's great that you can do it. For me, you take away my right hand, I'm hooped. I'm useless. In fact, it's really interesting. You have all these different little components of your body, these parts that make up your body, and you lose one little element of it. It doesn't even seem that big. And all of a sudden, it makes everything that you do a lot more difficult. And what we're going to be looking at in this passage, it's a pretty familiar passage, is just this idea of how the church, uh, faith community, followers of Jesus, uh, function and exist as a body. So starting in verse 12, Paul writes, he says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So what's going on here and in other various parts of the New Testament is there's an analogy drawn that says, you know, a faith community, the church, isn't just a collection of people, but what it is is it's one body. And Scripture actually says that Christ is the head of that body. He's, he's that part. He's kind of in control. He's the brains behind the operation, which is a good thing. And the rest of us comprise the rest of the body. We're all these different parts that act together. And as we read the rest, I want you to think about this in two different ways. First of all, I think this applies really well to our specific local faith community here, FBC. You know, us, we are a body, and all of us are a part of that, and we function and serve like a specific role in that, within that. But this, this is not the only place that this happens in the world. Uh, you know, there are, and I referenced this last week, there are lots of other great churches in town. There are great churches all around the world. And, and in fact... Uh, the, the Bible would lead me to believe that the way we should healthily view this in a lot of ways is that we're all part of that same body. We're all on the same team. We all play a, a, a significant role in that. 
In some ways, that can make you feel small. Even in a room like this, you're like, well, there are a lot of people. I'm just a small part of that body. But what it should make you feel like is since every part of your body is significant and matters, it should make you realize I have a serious role and responsibility. And there's actually like some weight that comes with the idea of being a part of this body. Because when one part of the body isn't there, when one part of the body doesn't function well, it doesn't only impact you. It impacts the rest of our local body, but it also impacts the rest of our global body, and and that's a big deal. He continues on in verse 13. He says, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So I want to stop and unpack that for a second. So there are two things going on here, and we'll start with the back half of the verse where he says, whether Jews or Greeks, um, or sorry, here he says, Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. What Paul is doing here as he writes this letter is he's, he's drawing some pretty, like, oppositional, like, polars. He's drawing some pretty big extremes. For him, Jews and Gentiles is a really big extreme. For early followers of Jesus, a lot of them were Jewish. They, they still were under this uh, idea that they were specially blessed in some different way and that you know, they had special access to who God was and that it wasn't just kind of this global thing that was for everybody. But I mean, the, the, if you read through the gospel and you read through Acts, you see that Jesus comes and he says, this gospel, this message is for everybody. It's not just for the Jews. It's, not for, it's for everybody. Race, ethnicity doesn't matter faithfulness and a willingness to follow Jesus does. Slave or free, I mean, these are two really different classes of life. So I've I've been trying to think of like, you know, kind of polar opposites of like, you you know, how we would express that well in our world. And I I guess one of the best things I can think of is, is that the most passionate, like avid supporter and follower of Donald Trump and the most like intense supporter, person who voted for Hillary Clinton, both... And hear me out, a lot of you are like already picked aside. Both of those people can love and follow Jesus and have a relationship with him. Who said that again? Regardless of someone who, who someone voted for, they can know and love Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him and follow him, and you're part of the same body with that person. We have that this, in Canadian politics as well. I just think that draws a better like polarization. That doesn't actually matter. Politics, you, you know, or, or Oilers fans, Flames fans, you know, like you can be part of the same body, you know, it, it doesn't matter what team you're cheering for, it doesn't matter, you know, your parenting preferences, your, your ideas, stuff like that, your opinions, what music you listen to, your, the color of your skin, your class of life, where you're from, your cultural backgrounds, Paul's saying here, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that we're part of the same body, and the sooner we figure that out, the sooner the body can be healthy and function well. And and at the start of this, he says, for we were baptized by one spirit to form one body. So the way that we are part of one body is that we're baptized, he says, by one spirit. This is interesting because I think for a lot of us, if you read this, you, you think of baptism, you, you hear the word baptism, you think of baptism like what we do on Sunday mornings when we baptize people in water. Now that is called baptism, but what the text is talking about is actually something different. And I'll quickly take the second to say, while we're talking about baptism, that if you haven't gotten baptized as a follower of Jesus, you should really think about doing that because th- this is a part of everything that we're talking about, even though the text isn't talking about that, but that's a great way to connect with your faith community better, to get up and say, hey guys, I'm in, I'm public publicly proclaiming my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm I'm part of this. Please pray for me. Here's how I've come to know Jesus. But what Paul's talking about here is being baptized by one, capital S, 
Spirit, by God's Spirit, being baptized by His Spirit. Uh, you could translate that word by as with or in, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, one part of the triune God. There are kind of some different views on what exactly that means, but here at FBC, what we believe, we believe that when you actually surrender your life to Jesus, when you repent and you say, I need you, and you enter into a relationship with him, that you experience this baptism by the Holy Spirit, that the, the Holy Spirit comes and fills you. So think about baptism. It's this idea of like submersion or immersion, kind of like being totally immersed in something. When you experience God's grace, you are immersed in God's spirit. Think about Genesis 1. God creates everything. Just by speaking, he creates the entire cosmos. And it says that his spirit hovers amongst all creation. This powerful life-bringing, life-changing spirit that is behind the very act of creation. When you accept Jesus, when you embrace his forgiveness, fills you. It empowers you to follow Jesus. It empowers you to experience his grace and to extend grace and to be more like Jesus. That is a, a pretty incredible promise. And that is why you can be part of this body. I think it's easy to be like, well, I show up on Sunday morning, so I'm part of the body, or I, I do this thing, or I do that, I give money, or I read my Those are all the great things to do, but those are results of being part of the body. Showing attendance doesn't make you part of the body. There's one thing that makes you part of this body, and that's that God, in his mercy, forgives you and baptizes you and fills you with his Holy Spirit. It's like the light switch moment. The Bible says that before you know Jesus, I know we're like two verses in, you're like, how long is this sermon going to be? Well, before, before you embrace Jesus' forgiveness, the Bible says that you're living in darkness. And when the Holy Spirit enters you, this is this light switch moment where the lights turn on and you're filled with his glorious light and the opportunity to actually engage in personal relationships in the context of this body in the way that he would lead you to. We're going to continue on. Verse 14, even so, the body is not made up of one, but of many. There are a lot of parts that contribute to this body. Continuing on. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? I believe that that the Bible, Scripture, is like the most fascinating, by far the most fascinating text ever written. It's so interesting. I, I hope you guys read it. If you're here and you're trying to follow Jesus and you're not reading Scripture, you need to do this. It will change your life. And as you do, work through it slowly. Ask real questions. As I've been preparing this week, I, I found myself just kind of like sitting in my office having this conversation with Paul as he wrote this. Not literally. I don't believe in that. But, uh, you know, in my mind having this conversation with him. And I'm thinking about this analogy, and I'm like, Paul, your biggest concern is if the whole body were uh, an ear, it wouldn't be able to smell? It's like, there's a bigger issue there. It's a giant ear. And then I started picturing, uh, you know, like, if, if it says, if the whole body were an eye. Imagine you guys were just like a giant eyeball rolling in here on Sunday mornings. How awkward that, if you guys were all just a giant eyeball sitting on pews staring at me, right? there's no way I'd be able to stand up here. That'd be way too awkward and creepy. And look at this in this analogy. It's so fascinating. The foot is talking to the hand. I mean, that's, that's weird. Anyways, cool analogy to say that would be a messed up picture. If we're just a pile of eyeballs, a pile of ears, a pile of appendixes, whatever, I mean, not a very good picture of a healthy body. Check this out. Verse 18. I love this verse. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body 
every one of them, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I don't know if you've ever stepped back and just marveled at creation, what, what the human body is, like billions or trillions. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but all these molecules and things that make up human beings, parts, I don't know, coming together and miraculously working into such a cohesive, incredible system. I was actually uh, giving Avra a bath lesson, and I was just like, I think about this, I was like, man, it's crazy. Like, she just has, like, a whole body, you know? Like, it just is there, and she can do stuff, you know? It's crazy. What what an incredible body. What What a great description of how divine and sovereign God is that he would create such an immaculate, incredible system that works so well. I don't even think about how my body functions, but it's incredible. And then I think about this in the analogy of, you know, God placing every part of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be in the context of the church. As you read scripture, I hope you're fascinated by some of the elements of God that are so mysterious and beyond our comprehension. Those elements where you come and you say, God, like, I I can't wrap my mind around who you are. I just know that you're so good and so incredible. One of the things for me, and I've seen a lot of people as you start studying scripture, one of the tensions in your mind is, you know, where does God's sovereignty begin and end and where does our free will begin and end? And so what I mean is this, is a lot of people would say God is totally sovereign. He's planned everything out. He's predestined everything. And so we don't really have a choice in what we do. And some people say, well, you have free will, you have choice. You decide that even to the degree that God might not even know what's going to happen. And those are views that Christians going to have. And you can arrive at Scripture. And I can understand arriving at both of those from how you read Scripture. But there's one place where that debate doesn't happen. And that is in how God creates. Because even if we have free will in the ways that we exist now, that's all post when you've been created. Before you're created, you don't, you don't do a thing to come into existence. But God, it says right here, he's placed the parts in the body. Everyone, when you were born, how you were born, who you are when you were born, where, where you exist, the gifts and abilities that you have, you had nothing to do with that. You just showed up one day, and, and you were there. And for some reason, you showed up on that specific day in that specific place as God in his sovereignty and power and complete knowledge and wisdom decided. So the question isn't, you know, well, what part have I played and who I am and all that? But the question is, why am I the way I am? Why, Talsi wants me to ask myself that question all the time, but why am I the way I am? Why am I who I am? Why am I made like this? And why do I exist now in this time and place? Why am I here at FBC in this portion of the church across the world? Who, who, am I that God has created me there? It's not about figuring out what you think you should do. It's about surrendering and saying, God, you're sovereign and you placed me here for some reason. So why, why did you? And how do you respond to that? I hope you regularly ask yourselves questions like that. Not, not what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? But why, why am I here? Why did God put me here? If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We're not all the same, and that's good. If we were all me, then we would probably drive each other crazy all the time. It's good that there are people out there that are way nicer than me. It's great that we all have different gifts, and we all have different abilities, and as a team, we can do so much more together. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Okay, that was a long sentence, and Paul's really taking the analogy to an extreme here. What he's saying is it's interesting in our physical bodies how the parts that make up who we are are so varied and so different. Like, there are parts that you never even think about or talk about, but they're still significant. Like, it's not like I walk around and someone, like, sees me like, hey, man, good-looking heart, you know? Like, that is really, really pumping blood really well. That's a significant part of my body. It's circulating blood because I need that, and it keeps me alive. There are parts of our body that we treat with special modesty, and, you know, that's good because you don't want Doug and me up here preaching shirtless, you know? It's good that we, we cover some parts up, and some parts are more on the outside, and some parts you see more and you think about more, but every single part plays a significant role. I think it's easy to be in the church and think, oh, you know, those guys that get up on stage and they say stuff, but, you know, I don't really know what my spot is. It's not as significant. All of it, verse 18, is because God has put you where you are for a reason. Like, check this out. This is how he continues on with that analogy. He says, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for each other. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. No division in the body. Man, it's easy. It is so easy to just tiptoe. Like, none of us if I was like, hey, describe yourself in three words, none of us would put divisive on that, you know? No one would be like, oh, I'm a really divisive person. I like to, like, break up friendships and relationships and stuff. If you do, uh, there's the door. But, uh, you know, so I'm just joking. Stay. Jesus can work on that. But, um, you know, no one likes to think about them in that, themselves in that way. But it's really easy to tiptoe our way into that. You know, it's really easy to think, oh, you know, like, you see that person sitting down the row from you at church or on the lobby, and they, oh, they parent a little differently than you do, or they posted that thing on social media, and it's different than what you think, so you're offended, or, or, or they look different, they're from a different background, they have a different approach to life. Maybe for you, it's an ethnic thing. Maybe you think that, you know, you're better, or they're better, or there's less or worse because of some stuff like that, and Paul's saying, there is no class, there's no division, there's no hierarchy, there's no better, there's no worse, but each of us should have equal concern for each other. We just sang that song, we're the sons, we're the daughters of God. And even though the words are collective, we are the sons, we are the daughters, it's really easy as we sing that, I think, in such an individualistic culture to think, yeah, I'm the son, I'm the daughter of Christ, but that person sitting down the row from me, they're kind of funny looking, they're kind of annoying, they're kind of weird. They're like the whoops child that showed up later in the family, you know, it's like, oh, mom, dad, like, oh, no, we accidentally had this kid, don't tell him it's an accident, you know, and that's, that's our view sometimes, but God doesn't view his children like that, he loves them, and your concern for his children should be equal to God's concern for his children, you should view each other the way that God does, no division, you're not better than anyone, you're not worse than anyone, we're all struggling through the same things. And the body is better off because we're diverse, because there are different parts. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I don't 
like to, I don't consider myself, and I don't like to consider myself like old, but I do realize that every day my age is continuing to increase. And as I get older, I realize that my body is like not really what it used to be. You know, we play basketball on Sunday nights, and pretty much every week, it's just more and more like, man, like this is starting to hurt. You know, I'm just not. You know, there's some people here that are like way older than me, and they're like, you have no idea, Ryan, what's coming. But when I hurt a part of my body, it's not like when I wake up and my lower back hurts from going hard at basketball the night before. It's not like I'm just like, okay, my lower back hurts, so the rest of my body's good, I'll use that. It takes a toll on everything. It brings the whole body down. You know, you got to do that thing where you're like laying, maybe you've done this when you've got a sore back, you like got to put your socks on and you're like, oh man, those are, my feet are so far away, why are your legs so long? You lay on your bed, stick your feet straight up in the your legs straight up in the air, and you're trying to reach. You get, yeah, I don't know. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, you guys can figure that out in a few years. But when one part of your body suffers, it's inevitable that the whole body suffers. And this is really important to understand. Because if you're suffering, if you're struggling, if you're broken, and you're not moving forward, we all struggle. But if you're just unwilling to be a healthy part of the body, understand that we all suffer for it. And not even just here at FBC in Lloydminster, across the world, we all suffer. And we should be willing to suffer along with each other. You see people who are broken and hurting. You see people who are suffering in our church. You see people who are going through some tough stuff. We all know what that's like. But a lot of times, there's like, man, I hope they can work that out. You know, like James says, you know, I'll pray for you. Go in peace. Be well. But James says, go help them. Suffer with them. Walk through that with them. And I think that's actually even easier than the next part where it says, rejoice with those who things are going well. If one part is honored, every part should rejoice. Paul, in another letter, says rejoice with those who rejoice. I think that's tougher because we're pretty jealous, selfish human beings sometimes. You know, you see someone get things that you wish you got, you know? You, like, see someone at work who isn't working as hard as you. They get a raise, and you're like, man, I should get the raise. You see people who aren't, don't have parenting figured out as well as you do, but their kids seem to be doing better. You're like, that doesn't make sense. I'm a way better parent than them, you know? whatever it is, you see someone who's not being as nice or as good as you are, and it doesn't make sense that they're experiencing some of the favor and the joy that you think you should, and what's our usual immediate response? It's one of selfishness where we're jealous and we're like, we condemn them in our own minds because we wish we had that. That's really anti-biblical. Here's how countercultural a biblical view of that is. Suppose you're at work and someone who doesn't work as hard as you gets a raise, culturally, here's what I, we should be jealous. You should maybe go talk to your boss and say, hey, actually, I deserve the raise. You know, I, I, I work harder. Here's what I do. That's cultural. Biblically, this is what it would look like. Someone who doesn't work as hard as you gets a raise and you go up to them and say, I'm just so excited for you. I was wondering if I could write you a check just to like add on the, the joy and the happiness of that. Right now you think I'm crazy, but it says that we should be trying to, those who are experiencing blessing and good, we should be celebrating with them. That's a healthy body. That's, a, that's an unselfish view of what it looks like to be a faith community like the church. Verse, 26, or verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. If you're here this morning, and you're a follower of Jesus, this is inescapable truth. You're part of this body whether you want to be or not. And that's a lifelong thing. There are really no amputations in the body of Christ. You, you're, you're stuck with us. And that's... That's just life. That's how it goes. And that comes with responsibility. That, that comes with a calling. And that comes with, that comes with some weight. 
because every part of the body should be contributing to a healthy body. And what I want to talk about this morning in our last few minutes together is what I'd like to call four habits of a healthy body. Now, I think when we, if you're using the app notes or bulletin, there's some fill in the blanks, but when we talk about thinking small here at FBC, we talk about small groups a lot. And I know, you know, when we say think small, people are like, oh, well, small groups don't really work for me or whatever. It's really not all we're talking about. Small groups is like one of the main programs that we offer to facilitate the idea of thinking small. But when we talk about thinking small, we're really talking on the, about the organic idea of engaging in personal relationships. And small groups isn't the only way you can do that. If for some reason, schedule-wise or some other reason, small groups don't work for you, we still believe that that's an expectation as a follower of Jesus, that you engage in personal relationships within the body of Christ. And not just like surface level, not just, you know, being nice on Sunday mornings just to kind of get by and be part of that, but something where you're intentionally and deeply investing into something. This is a fair-sized church. We don't expect you to know everyone. I don't know everyone's name here. We don't ex- we, no one has the relational capacity to engage deeply with all these people, but you could pick a few. That's one of the reasons we think it's so great to serve here is because then you have some people that you're serving alongside of and in that journey you walk together and you start to invest into each other. You know, at FBC it's actually pretty easy on Sunday mornings because we have, I don't know if you've noticed, but a bit of a seating arrangement that's just kind of happened. You guys did it. And you're usually sitting beside the same people every week. If you feel like, oh man, I'm just not really connecting with people on a deep level, then put some effort into it. When's the last time you turn to someone who sits in the, in the same bench as you every week and says, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can be praying for you about? You don't have to do this one specific way or the other, but we do believe that at some point you have to break out of that and say, for the sake of being a healthy part of the body, I'm going to engage in personal relationships. So the first habit of a healthy body is that we share. Now, this is like tangibly, like when you think of sharing, you know, giving. If people are in need, we should share. That kind of stuff for sure. But what I'm talking about more than this is sharing who we are, sharing ourselves. Because when you share yourself, that's when you really begin to engage on a deep level. And that's tough. We live in a culture, a world where we're trained and taught to like let our insecurities bottle up our struggles and our issues and our brokenness. But all of us are broken, struggling sinners who have issues. We all have issues. It's just whether or not we're willing to share them or whether we think it makes sense to keep them locked tightly in a vault inside ourselves. But but that's not a biblical idea. In Galatians 6, Paul says that we need to bear each other's burdens, and if you do that, you actually fulfill the law of Christ. Fulfilling the law of Christ is to bear each other's burdens. I'll tell you what's impossible, to bear the burdens of someone who won't let you know what their burdens are. Now, I'm not saying you need to like go on social media today and like post a list of like the issues that make you a screwed up person like online so that everyone can know. What I'm saying is there need to be some people in your life that you're actually sharing yourself with in a real honest way. I don't see any context in this book that says keep stuff bottled up, keep secrets, don't let people in. We all have sin issues. We're, we're all struggling with something and that's, that's okay. One of the greatest ways we can experience healing is to share it with each other. But we want to present well, you know? We're like, ah, I don't want them to know about this because I want to look good, you know? It's kind of like when we clean up when company's coming over and we clean up the kitchen and stuff like that, but like our bedroom is like a disaster because that's where we threw everything, you know? Uh, don't tell Talcy, I told you, I don't think she's here. But it's like, next time we have company, they're going to be like in the bedroom, like, oh yeah, this is gross. Um, but that's what we do with our lives. You know, we present the front well, but we're like, oh, I'm going to keep this closed up. Because we don't want to admit our issues. We don't want to be vulnerable like that. When I was young, uh, I grew up going to Christian schools. And uh, so I had this project. uh, And I came home and I told my mom, I was like, I have to write 
or do a project on like uh, something I struggle with, like an issue I have, maybe a sin issue or something like that. And I was like, but I'm struggling to think of anything, um, which you know, makes sense. Um, and my mom's like, well, what about pride? You could write it on pride. And I lost it. I was like, Mom, I don't struggle with pride. What do you think I am? I don't have pride issues. And I went off on her. And so I don't remember what I ended up doing it on, but I probably should have done the project on pride. We, we don't like to admit what it is that makes us weak and, and fragile. But I don't, think if, I, don't, I don't think if we keep secrets, we keep that bottled, then we're not sharing that with someone. I, I don't think we can really be that healthy of a body. Second habit of a healthy body is to forgive. Now, I know I've been talking about this a lot in the last month and a half. It's come up in a few messages. But, but I think this is so powerful, and I think this really relates to the idea of sharing ourselves with each other. I mean, who are you more likely to share with? Someone who might judge you and look down on you and hold that against you, or someone who you know will unconditionally forgive you in the same way that Jesus unconditionally forgives them? I mean, forgiveness and that kind of love is the type of like open door that fosters vulnerability and authenticity and the desire and ability for people to be transparent and willing to share. I think forgiveness is one of the greatest forms of love because a selfish view of love says, I love you because, you know, because of who you are, because of what you do, because of how you treat me. That's a selfish view of love. An unselfish, forgiving view of love is I love you even though. I love you despite who you are. So if you really want to love someone, go up to them today and say, even though you are the way you are, I still love you. Because that is real. That, that is the type of love that we all need to experience. That's the type of love that God gave us. He says, even though you guys are who you are and do what you do, I still love you. In fact, if you're here and you're not married and you're planning on getting married one day, I, I want to encourage you today. I, I'd actually, I'm serious. It kind of sounds like you. I'm serious. Your wedding vows, simply make them three words. I forgive you. Because if you can unconditionally commit to that in your marriage, that's going to work out a lot of stuff. It's going to work out a lot. I forgive you. The third habit of a healthy church is to encourage. We have to be encouraging each other. The way I see it is in the church, we have two dogs. And you have enough dog food to feed one or the other. One will flourish and one will starve to death. One, one dog's name is unity and one dog's name is disunity. In the church, who you are and how you exist as part of the body always feeds either unity or disunity. One starves and the other does well. When you go home and you're talking trash about people, when you harbor grudges against people, you think you're better than people, you get offended by people, you're angry at people, you don't go deal with issues that you have with people, you're feeding the dog of disunity. But when you use your words to bring life, your words have so much power, they can bring life or death. When you use them to bring life, and you actually build people up with your words. Ephesians 4.29 says to, to use your words to build people up in the ways that they need it. When you use your words to build people up, you're feeding the dog of unity and letting the dog of disunity starve to death. And we have to do that. Man, it's so easy to just look at people and see their issues and talk them down. I mean, we've all experienced it, where someone's encouraging and life-bringing words meet you in a time where you need them and, and they empower you to do great things or where people's harsh words, whether said in front of your face or behind your back, have cut you down and disabled you. We've all experienced that. And you're only going to say so many words in li your life and it, the choice is yours. Are they going to build people up? Are they going to feed unity or disunity? With our words, we have the ability to empower people 
who never believed they could do great things to do the great things they could have never dreamed possible. But with those same words, we have the ability to prevent greatness from happening by cutting people down and making them believe that they don't have the ability to accomplish great things. The fourth habit of a healthy body is to disciple. Our mission as a church is to go make disciples of Jesus Christ, and disciples don't grow on trees. Disciples aren't the responsibility of me or Doug alone. It's the responsibility of the body altogether. If you've been following Jesus for a while, if you're following Jesus, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Genuinely ask yourself this morning, am I currently discipling at least one person, if not a couple people, in a real way? Who am I discipling? And it's easy. We ask ourselves these questions to like go try to find things to make yourself feel good about the answer, right? Be like, oh, well, years ago there was that one. I don't want you to go there. Or, you know, I kind of inter- What I want you to ask yourself is, am I really engaging in re- relationships with people where I'm motivating people to read and study scripture, where I'm helping them understand it, where I'm helping them actually grow and experience faith, where I'm helping them be led into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you're not, I'm not here to condemn you, but if you're not, man, do you, you, people need people to walk alongside them. I'm not so deluded to think that Doug and I can get up here for 30 to 40 minutes on a Sunday and that that just fuels discipleship in hundreds of people's lives like that. People need people to walk through life with them, to encourage them. To, I, I, I would be nowhere if it wasn't for the people who stepped into my life and were willing to walk alongside me and disciple me. So if you're not, don't leave here feeling beat up. Leave here feeling empowered that you need to be a part of that. So these are the four habits, I think, of a healthy body. There's probably more we could say. I hope that this series has been helpful and encourages you that as a church, there's so much that we can do together. Let me pray for you guys. God, we love you. And I humbly say thank you so much for letting us be a part of your mission here on earth and specifically in Lloydminster, God. I pray that you would just continue to use FBC to do great things for you, God. That we would understand that you've called us to be a healthy body for you and that you've called us to do great things for you and to work together as a team, God. Please just continue to use us and make a difference in Lloydminster through what we're doing here, God. We love you so much. Amen.